0: Welcome back to another episode of the Mama To Be Honest podcast. This is episode four. My name is Jenea. Happy Sunday. I am recording this on a Friday, so happy Friday. I'm extra chipper. It is spring break for many of us parents, I know, including myself. The kids have been on spring break since Wednesday of last week, so it's a pretty short spring break, just Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I need to check if they actually have Easter Monday off. I don't know if that's a federally observed holiday or not, but either way, it's only been three days and it feels like much longer than that. I my so much respect goes out to stay at home moms because that shit's a full time job. (laughs) And if you are at home with your kids 24 seven, I have so much immense respect for you that is so tiring to just have everything taken care of and keeping your kids engaged and keeping your home in a good, in a relatively good state and also taking care of yourself. Man, that is hard. I think whenever I have these extended breaks with my kids, I love them so much. But I also realize just how much having a full-time job kind of gives me that separation that break even though I do aspire one day to be at home with my kids full-time it definitely gives me that appreciation for having a full-time job so my utmost respect goes out to all the stay-at-home moms out there and anyone who's a full-time caretaker because it is a lot of work but nonetheless, we are having a wonderful spring break. My dad is here visiting us, helping helping out with the kids. Maurice does have to work uh, through the rest of the week, so having my dad here has been a huge help. We've t- tried to do one outing a day. We went to this little petting zoo at Tilden Park yesterday, and today we went to Target, so... One, one outing a day (laughs) is what we're shooting for and it's been working out pretty well so we're happy to have him here and the kids are just obsessed with their pop pop. They call him pop pop and I also call him pop pop so (laughs) that's been fun. I'm trying to think of any other updates I have for you guys. Oh my gosh, this morning, Malachi... Malachi is this close to walking, and he's a late walker. He's going to be 15 months old this month, so he's definitely on the later side. Jade was walking at 10 months old. So he's... Not only is he close to walking, but he's been more aware of just how mischievous he can be. (laughs) He finally got us this morning. He has been... Inching closer and closer and closer to submerging himself in the dog water. He's just so fascinated with our dog, Brew, her, her water bowl. And so we've caught him every time he's tried to submerge his feet and his hands into the dog water bowl. But this morning, he finally got us. (laughs) I just looked over. I looked away for a quick second, and I looked back, and he's got both his feet (laughs) in the dog water. It's just so disgusting. I had to pull him out and rinse him off in the sink. So nasty, and he was just giggling. So hilarious. And I am kind of not looking forward to having two upright children, (laughs) because that means he's going to be running and hitting his head on everything and getting into so many things. And Jade is getting older to where she is a great listener. Obviously, the tantrums are getting a bit more intense, but she still gets into stuff when we can't hear her and she's quiet and she's getting into something that she shouldn't be. So... I am relishing these last couple of weeks or months that we will have one crawling baby and one upright toddler. So pray for us, please. Things I've been doing for myself this spring break. I actually got out for a run the other day, which was nice, but I have been full on diving into Netflix binge mode. It's hard for me to get into TV, but when I do, I am just full on into trashy reality TV, namely season four of Love is Blind. I am so looking forward to watching the rest of the episodes, which I think just came out. So I am I'm just here for all of it. I was hating on this season of Love is Blind because it just seems a little more messy than prior seasons. And it's just a total train wreck, and I can't look away. So that's just the kind of TV I've always been into, aside from reruns of Law & Order SVU. So it's it's been nice to get into a show that I can watch by myself on spring break while my kids are napping. So that's also what I've been doing. I have... Tried to do some mindful TikTok scrolling too, which ends with which ends up just turning into me going into a giant TikTok hole. I as you guys know, I I make a, a bunch of different kinds of videos for my Instagram. And so I like to see, you know, what's trending, what's working, what what catches my eye in particular. And I have just developed this obsession with these two mom vloggers on TikTok. I call them the Bachman sisters, so they're two sister-in-laws, they each have their own kind of social media presence, they're both moms, one is a mom of four, and the other, actually they're both moms of four, they grew up in San Diego, and they recently relocated out to Nashville, and I am just so fascinated with watching their lives <laughs> and just learning from them as moms. I, I really do enjoy watching all of their content and learning from them. A fangirl moment for me. But aside from Love is Blind and mindlessly scrolling TikTok, <laughs> Spring Break has been a nice little logout of my 9 to 5 and just focusing on all the little things we want to get done at home. My, hu- I don't know if everyone knows this, but my husband and I are also in the process of launching our own business. We are launching our line of baby essentials at the end of April, the end of this month. So we have been making a lot of great progress on that. If you guys aren't aware of the business that we're launching, you can find it pretty easily on my Instagram but I'll mention it at the end of the show, just in case anyone's curious. Yeah, so that's a few random, kind of random life updates. But I am so eager to get into this week's episode. Last week's episode was was a pretty heavy one. I think I had posed a couple of episode topics for a poll on Instagram ahead of recording episode three. The one that came in second place was around my birth stories and labor and delivery in general. So I thought that would be a great episode four topic for us to go through. And the, the two kind of lump well together. So I figured we could talk through a lot of common labor and delivery fears, as well as go through my birth stories for, for my first and my second. I always, always love hearing other women's birth stories because everyone has such a unique birth story. Not everyone's labor and delivery experience is the same. And so I just love hearing differences and different challenges, what went what went right, what went wrong, things that you know, we would change or that other people would change. So I would just love to talk about that and share both of my labor and delivery experiences with you guys. But I think it would be great to first start by going through some common labor and delivery fears that people have. I actually put this on my Instagram a couple of days ago to ask everyone, ask the audience, what are your biggest fears around labor and delivery? Whether or not you've given birth, whether or not your partner has given birth, what are what are you what scares you or what scared you most about it? And it's not something that you get over even after having your first baby or or going through it the first time. You, there's still stuff about labor and delivery that's always going to scare you. It always scares me. There are certain things that really really terrify me. So I asked a question about what scares you most about labor and delivery. And I think it's so helpful to be able to hear from other women, other pregnant women, or other women who've even given birth already, what their fears are, and comparing your fears to everyone else's, because there are so many more commonalities than we think there are. And just knowing that other people are scared, and other people have gone through those experiences is extremely helpful, because I mean, who isn't scared about ripping their vagina open? I'm still scared of that. So I guess it's also smart for me to say that before we go into everyone's fears about labor and delivery and before we go into my birth stories. We are about to get very detailed and kind of gory at times, so if you're not if you're not Gucci with really detailed recollection of labor and delivery from my experience, or you don't want to hear that, then please fast forward, please write and exit (laughs) and we'll see you next time. But we are about to hold nothing back here. So without further ado, let us check out some responses. So, after asking the audience what scares or scared you most about labor and delivery, here is what Jaleesa's mama says. Jaleesa's mama says, The hemorrhaging. I lost one and a half liters of blood after giving birth to my son, Jameer. Wow, that is so scary. Hemorrhaging is a very real risk as part of childbirth. It's not something I've ever gone through. But it's something that I had become aware of because when you are giving birth and even after you've given birth, the doctor and the nurses watch just how much you're bleeding and at what rate you're bleeding through things like checking how quickly you fill a postpartum pad, how quickly your blood is coming out after having delivered the placenta. Hemorrhaging is a very real thing and it can get... Very risky, very fast. So glad that you are healthy and well, Jalissa. That is so scary. I know that hemorrhaging can lead to things like having to undergo emergency surgery or having to get certain immediate medication to stop the bleeding. So very scary, very real part of of L&D. Sierra Brancart says... What scares her most about labor and delivery? Accidentally moving while getting an epidural and becoming paralyzed. Oh my gosh, sis. You have no idea how much this scared me during my first labor and delivery experience with Jade. It was already a very... Nervous and like I was already very nervous in the environment just because it's first time and it was just Maurice and I, and we had sat in triage for a million hours, but I'll get into that. And I finally was ready for my epidural, and the anesthesiologist came in. And if that anesthesiologist was not as calm and cool and collected as she was, I don't I I don't know what would have happened. (laughs) And I think what comes down to it is If you're sure you want one and you are going to go for that, you've really got to trust and develop that very quick confidence in your anesthesiologist. And I think they know that too because she immediately calmed me and was so quietly confident and walked me through everything, even having to sign that release, like you have to sign, you have to sign paperwork before getting an epidural for that exact reason that you listed. But always understanding that the anesthesiologist is trained and they know what they're doing. And instances of paralysis are extremely rare. <laughs> it's still something really hard to get over though, because it is such a small window of accuracy i would recommend anyone who's considering an epidural do not don't look up what exactly they need to do and where they need to enter your spine because it'll just it'll have you thinking about that and only that when it's only one very small part of a labor and delivery experience if you're choosing to elect to get an epidural so We'll go into that more <laughs> during my first and second birth story. And Sierra also says what also scares her the clichés from a non-mom, she says, pooping, farting and tearing. Oh boy, those are not clichés. Those are very valid fears. I don't know if I don't know anyone who would want anyone else to see them poop. But I think something that's helped me is if anyone's going to see you poop, it might as well be someone that's seen it before. So your, your OBGYN all the nurses in labor and delivery they have seen everything god bless nurses god bless people working in hospitals god bless any kind of medical stuff because they've seen it all and they've seen it all with grace so if you're gonna if you're gonna take a shit in front of someone I would hope it is your doctor <laughs> because they don't care <laughs> so I'll also go into if I pooped stay tuned <laughs> Sierra also mentioned tearing at West Warren also mentioned tearing or ripping, tearing and ripping. I think one thing, it's just one of those things that it's, it's so, it's, it's such a hard thing to think about your body going through ripping your vagina open. Just doesn't, it doesn't. no one wants to do that. Why would anyone want to do that? But I think as quickly as you can accept that it's probably going to happen, your first child then you'll you'll try not to think about you'll be it'll be easier to not think about it as soon as you can accept that it's probably going to happen it's going to happen because your body has never been put to that limit before you've never pushed anything out of your body so tearing and ripping are a natural part of vaginal delivery and there are ways that the nurse and midwife and doctor minimize it and that that's part of when the baby enters the world they'll have you they'll have you stop they'll have you stop pushing so your baby can crown so you can reduce the severity of your tears it's actually what that's meant to be for and again we'll go we'll go into that in a little bit but As soon as you kind of accept that it's going to happen, hopefully you can stop worrying about it too much. It's still definitely a valid fear, but rest assured in the moment of pushing out your baby, the sensation of ripping and tearing is going to be such a peripheral detail, like you're not even going to notice it because of just how much your adrenaline is pumping and just how hard your body has already been working to get this baby out. You're not, I I don't know if you're going to believe me, but you're not going to feel it. You're not going to feel it. Not even just because maybe you've elected or not elected to have a, an, an epidural, but there are so many things your body is going through that that's going to be a very minute part of it. I don't know if that scares you even more, but (laughs) that was a big fear of mine. And I did, I did tear my first, my, my first experience and I, I had no idea. I had, I had no idea. I felt it, but I wasn't, I, it just, I guess I just didn't care. Amber Michelle says the epidural scares her. Yes. So a lot about the epidural. Definitely want to spend some time on the epidural during my birth stories. And then this last one. I just want to give snaps for this last one from squeaky blonde. What scares her most labor and delivery, the 18 years to follow and the nine months prior (laughs) a freaking men. It is a scary thing. Becoming a parent, your fears never go away. They just change. I'm told, and I am living that firsthand. (laughs) Squeaky blonde also says love the hospital socks though. Yes, I love the ugly hospital socks. I always try to sneak an extra pair. Gotta love hospital fashion. (laughs) Anyway, so thank you for sharing your biggest labor and delivery fears. Before we jump into my birth stories, I just want to acknowledge your fears and hear your fears. They are so very real and you are so very capable of conquering them. I think one thing that I had to get over is just how scary every little thing is and come to recognize that we as women are meant to do this. Like our bodies are meant to have babies and our bodies are the strongest bodies on the planet. And we're fully capable of doing this. (laughs) No matter how much or how little intervention you have, no matter how much or little Medication you choose to have for your delivery. Our bodies are capable of getting it done in whatever way, shape, or form that is. So I see your fears. I hear your fears. And I know that you are capable of destroying them when the time comes. Okay, let's get into some birth stories. We will start with my first. We will start with Jade. August of 2020. Oh, boy. So I was about... 38 weeks pregnant when I started showing some initial signs of labor and before that I my doctor had told me okay well we have the option to induce you around 39 weeks I really didn't want to go through an induction but I did get my membranes sweeped before a few days before I actually went into labor, and a membrane sweep is basically the doctor separating the amniotic sac from I think your cervix or just the inner wall with their fingers. It's supposed to be a natural way to stimulate labor. It did not work for me because I still <laughs> I still was very pregnant with no signs of labor for several days uh, ahead of going into labor. So I had that done. I was so ready to not be pregnant. I think every woman who's who's been pregnant can say that the last 2 weeks of your pregnancy sucks. It just sucks. You are miserable, you can't sleep. You're hot, you're sweaty, you're waddling you you have gnarly heartburn, it's just the worst and you want your baby to be out of you and you want your baby to be here. And that's exactly how I was feeling around the 38-week mark. So I, I forget exactly how far along I was. It was 38 weeks and some days and it was a Friday morning and I started feeling some like, it was kind of like menstrual cramps. I started feeling some menstrual cramps. I was like, okay, maybe early labor is starting. And it was. I I had gotten out of bed kind of in like a menstrual crampy feeling. And I also noticed that my belly had dropped tremendously. And so when people say that the baby dropped, it's usually a sign of baby's on their way, the baby's en route. And Jade was definitely on her way. My, my belly had definitely dropped a bit. And I actually could breathe better. I noticed that I could breathe much better because she had dropped um, deeper into kind of my body. And I was like, all right, this is this is about to happen. Let's, you know, let's get, let's get things going. And my contractions at first that whole day Friday were so irregular. I would I would go an hour without a contraction. Uh, my contractions would would come maybe every couple minutes, and then they would go away for a whole half hour, 45 minutes again. So really all over the place. I had called my doctor, and they were just like, yeah, this is probably not even considered early labor yet, but you're probably about to get into early labor because the contractions were so unpredictable and kind of all over the place and they weren't that painful it was kind of like your period on a really really bad day feeling so the the cr- like basically some bad cramps bad cramps but you can breathe through them you can have a conversation that's basically what my entire friday was like and just watching tv we were both obviously obviously off of work at that point and just kind of taking the day as as it was. So you're doing laundry and watching Netflix and just getting ourselves ready for more regular labor. And so I was actually able to get through the day without issue. And then when Friday night rolled around, that's when things started getting a little more regular and uh, a bit more painful. So I did not sleep a wink Friday night because when your contractions start picking up that's when you you really are aware of them and the pain is significant enough that you can't get a good sleep and when 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 these are coming every 15 20 minutes it, you, you you can't sleep so i tried to make myself as comfortable as possible and that's how i lasted all Friday night saturday was also slow rolling but things were fairly regular so when I say that the contractions were then around 15 to 20 minutes apart they would go away and then I would you know experience uh, another contraction the pain level on Saturday was probably maybe a six or a seven out of ten they would start to be painful enough to where I would have to lean on the couch and breathe through my contractions but I was still able to stand. I was still able to mostly have one or two word responses during the course of a contraction. And that's how my Saturday progressed. When Saturday afternoon, evening rolled around, shit started to get real. Uh, The contractions are no freaking joke. They really are not. And I think that's the, that for me, out of the course of the whole Labor and delivery experience, the contractions and the pain that your body goes through for each contraction was probably the hardest part because it's just pain that you can't imagine. You can't imagine that type of pain until your your body goes through it. And just knowing at that moment that they're only going to get worse (laughs) is also a big challenge mentally. Because you're already like, wow, this is exhausting. This is painful. I have never experienced this kind of pain before. And I'm probably not even that dilated. And I wasn't. I was, I think, a few days before I was only a centimeter dilated when my doctor swept my membranes. And the labor and delivery staff don't let you come into the labor and delivery unit until your contractions are a certain number of minutes apart. I think it's a few minutes apart, if I recall correctly. And so Saturday's regularity just became more and more and more frequent as the day and the evening went on. And so we had the car packed, our friends came to pick up our dog to care for her while we were inevitably going to be in the hospital that night. So that day was probably one of the more painful days and long days i had been through in my entire life and so i called the doctor there were there were a few times where i was just like i can't take this pain i want to go to the hospital now but my contractions were not close enough yet to to warrant an early arrival <laughs> other than I was just in pain and so I tried my best to stick it out as much as I could. I took a, I took a hot bath. I tried as much as I could to distract myself through, through contractions and through those windows of time in between them and so we basically waited it out as best as possible until the pain just got so unbearable and I was able to kind of stick it out to until my contractions were a few minutes apart. So Maurice had gone to sleep around midnight. We had stayed up watching this really crappy movie and I'm never going to watch this movie again because I just have such a heavy association with it, (laughs) with my contractions and just the pain of watching that movie while going through contractions we watched I think we watched the tax collector with Shia LaBeouf for some reason it was such a terrible movie and then we watched Moesha reruns probably never gonna watch Moesha ever again either <laughs> and so by the time 2 a.m 3 a.m rolled around my contractions were very very close together and I was like okay I need to wake Maurice up we need to water waddle ourselves down to the car i say ourselves i need to waddle myself down to the car and we need to head to kaiser where where i gave birth so i remember before leaving the house <laughs> my mother-in-law made my husband take a picture of me and i was just this i was just so ugly <laughs> just miserable like why am i taking a picture right now and i will never forget that photo just such a funny photo so we got to the hospital we checked into labor and delivery one thing about our first experience is we brought so much crap with us i don't know what we thought we were going to do like going on a full week long vacation we had this whole little cart full of our of our bags and our snacks and our extra clothes and while I think some of it was useful. We did not at all need to bring as much crap as we did. So huge learning lesson on my part. So we got to labor and delivery. They put me in triage and they wanted to see how dilated I was. I was only at that time four centimeters dilated. And they said, well, you could either go home and continue to labor or you could stay here until we can get you into a room after you are six plus centimeters dilated. And I'm like, I'm not going home. I am in such pain. Please, please, please admit me. (laughs) And so they did. They put us into triage because there were no available hospital, no available delivery rooms at that time. It was, for some reason, a really busy night for babies to be born. And the staff was pretty lean and we sat in triage for probably 12 or 13 hours. That was just that was the room I was going to labor in. And it was quite unfortunate for my husband because he had to kind of sit in a chair the whole time. There wasn't even like a couch for him to lay on. So they got me into triage, the triage bed. I was in so much pain at this point. I was just give me anything to relieve this pain. I wasn't quite ready yet for the epidural cuz I wanted to progress a little bit more, but I wanted something to take the edge off and they they did. They gave me they gave me some medication intravenously and it would take the edge off and allow me to sleep for like an hour and then I would just wake up in excruciating pain again. And the contractions at this point were probably like an eight. They were they were getting there. They were they were getting there. There was nothing else I could clench my fingers into other than the metal bars of the triage bed. So tried my best to get through it. By the time I wanna say nine or ten AM rolled around, I was ready for the epidural. And I knew I was ready for the epidural because the nurse came in and she said well, there's a couple other moms that are also waiting for the epidural. I can go get the anesthesiologist now or you can go behind them and I'm like, "Bring them to me first, please." <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what she was thinking telling me that because I was like, "Just just just bring it in." And so I did elect to have a, a medicated hospital birth both times. So I did elect to do uh, to have an epidural for for both of my children. And I chose that for a variety of reasons. And I think for me, I just saw the benefit of conserving my energy to push at the, at the pushing stage. And I know that, at least from hearing from other moms, that the epidural was the right choice for me because I didn't want to, I guess I wanted to be as present as I could during the pushing stage and i didn't know i wasn't sure just just how well i'd be able to fare without it and a lot of my aunts had gotten epidurals a lot of a lot of uh, people that i had known have and they had only great experiences and i also had a great experience both times now that's not to say that i would consider having another one again if we are lucky enough to have more kids I'm actually considering having a home birth for our next baby if we are if we're lucky and fortunate to have another baby. But back to my story, <laughs> the anesthesiologist came in. This was one of the more terrifying experiences I've ever been through. Ahead of it happening, like the actual insertion wasn't that bad because I'm already in in seething pain. I just want anything to relieve it. And the anesthesiologist that I had was so calm and collected and she just knew what she was doing. She put my mind at ease. I was so, I was so ready for this pain to be over that I'm like, just, just stick me already. And getting it inserted is really awkward because you need to be crouching in a really weird position. So they basically instruct you to to slouch and have the worst posture like you're sitting at a desk, except you're sitting at the edge of your hospital bed. And then they insert the needle at the lower midpoint of your spine, which obviously doesn't feel great, but just getting yourself centered <laughs> to a spot where you can allow it to happen and... I kind of hyper fixated on the feeling and that kind of helped me. The only thing that was awful is watching my husband's face and his reaction because he was watching it go into my back and they actually had to insert it again because it was a little bit, not concerningly so, but a little bit off center. And so she had to reinsert it and seeing my husband's face was probably the worst thing ever because it just, I just was just like, well, that helps me. Thank you so much. <laughs> And at that point, I was like, okay, are we good? We good? And they got it. They got it put inside of my back. And it was a matter of minutes until I felt absolutely nothing anymore from the waist down. And I was like FaceTiming my family and calling my mom and just so ready to continue dilating until I had to push this baby out. And so... It was great because the epidural allowed me to sleep and get much needed rest because I hadn't at that point slept for almost two nights at that point. I didn't sleep all day Friday. Obviously, Saturday night I was getting in, 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 uh, getting into the hospital and still laboring pretty intensely. So one thing that I do appreciate about the epidural is that It allowed me to get the rest that I so badly needed. I definitely slept like four or five hours while I labored and didn't feel the contractions happen. And it was great. And I really so appreciate modern medicine for being what it is. (laughs) Now, after having gone through two elective epidural vaginal births, I how now kind of have a different perspective on what my body is capable of, because both of my births went fairly, fairly smoothly. They're both fairly straightforward, that I'm actually, you know, kind of considering going without any kind of medication or intervention for any future deliveries that that we go through any any childbirth. So TBD on whether we get the opportunity to to explore that option, but an epidural is just such a wonderful option for preserving energy to push. It's definitely what I used it for to be able to sleep and get the rest that I needed. One thing I do regret not doing because they strongly advised me against it was I regret not eating before getting the epidural because after you get it inserted. For some reason, and I haven't done my research on this, for some reason they don't allow you to eat solids after getting your epidural. You could only drink liquids and juice and I think jello was the only other thing I could eat and I was starving. And so that's one thing I just I wish I would have done was eaten eating a meal even if I didn't want it. <laughs> And so after getting the epidural, I slept and I slept and I slept and I slept and the hospital was still so busy that it was very infrequently that our nurse and our midwife would come in and check on me because I was slowly but surely progressing, but not in uh, not not very quickly. And I'm sure the epidural had something to, to do with that. So they just continued waiting for me to dilate. I did not have Pitocin after my epidural. Some women do receive Pitocin just to speed up the course of labor. But another thing to consider when you're thinking about things like induction or or an epidural, all of these things kind of add up to what is known as the cascade of interventions. So basically, if the staff offers you or if you're getting any kind of intervention. And epidural is an example of that. Induction methods are also examples of that. Basically, one intervention on top of the other, on top of the other, on top of the other can just continue leading to more interventions because labor is slowed as a result of some of these interventions. So that's another that, that's that's a risk or that's a con of Any of these options that you might be considering is that as these interventions kind of stack up on each other, they might lead to, you know, the ultimate intervention, which is a C-section and C-sections, you know, they are, it's major, it's major surgery and you're able to deliver a very healthy baby at as a C-section, the recovery time is much different than a vaginal birth, but that's also something to consider. If you're electing to do, you know things like an epidural or induction methods or or pitocin, um, like I did with the epidural. So, so my labor definitely slowed after the epidural, but it was progressing enough to not require or for them to recommend heavily um, using pitocin to to speed up to speed up labor. And then we just kind of sat around and waited for things to move and then around 4 p.m. I felt this huge like pop. I felt this huge pop in my belly and my water had broken and another misconception that people have is that your water breaks all dramatically while you're walking around in the weeks leading up to your labor in the grocery store and it just pops and you have to be rushed to the hospital and you deliver this baby that looks like they're four years old (laughs) but it doesn't happen like that with some women, um, me included. I just, my water broke at like right before it was time to push. My My water broke and it was, uh, it was really gross. <laughs> it was really gross. I felt it. Uh, it was more of a sensation as opposed to like a pain. Obviously I didn't, f- I was, I was very numb, but I could still feel a little bit of sensation and the midwife came in, and she examined me and she said, "Oh, it's time to push." <laughs> so this was around 4 pm. We are still in triage at this point because the hospital is so busy. Another woman had given birth in another room that was opening up um, a couple hours prior. And so they quicked me. they quickly rolled me into the labor and delivery room where I was greeted by hospital staff, namely our nurse, our our nurse that would be working with us to, to push. And they got us all set up. The moment that I was rolled into the labor and delivery room, I started uncontrollably shaking. One, I feel like because I was nervous, and two, because of the epidural. And I know that epidural shakes are something very common. Once, once you have your once you have the epidural, and I just could not stop <laughs> I was just uncontrollably shaking. And so that was kind of annoying. But I was rolled into the room. I was on the bed. And our nurse was preparing us for what to expect and what to do and how Maurice could support me through pushing. And It was this moment that I was so grateful that I had elected to get an epidural because I don't, I don't know, at least during this first experience, I don't know if I would have had the energy to get pushing done. And the nurse had told us, okay, most first time moms, when they get to this stage, they push for a few hours. So we'll see, we'll see how it goes. And in my head, I'm like a few hours. I have to push for hours. Are you serious? and luckily we didn't luckily i didn't have to push for hours but it still was an extremely long time so i was laid back in the bed pulled my legs back and we started doing practice pushes and let me tell you another con of the epidural although there's a pro at the same time is you cannot feel it anything when you are trying to push hard you don't even know what you're pushing because you can't you you don't feel it as much as you would feel it without being numb and so it was really frustrating at first to not get the muscle movement down and to push and I I felt like I was putting so much energy towards nothing and luckily with a few kind of rounds of practice and the nurse telling me to get over my fear of pooping because she could tell I was holding back a bit. She just told us, you got to bear down and poop. That's all you got to do. Like bear down and poop. She told me I've seen it all before. So this kind of goes back to Sierra's fear. She's seen it all before. The number one concern is getting the baby out. So just just take a shit. (laughs) And that sensation of... Like working those same muscles really kind of got me out of my own head and got me into, okay, full active pushing mode. And to relieve your fear a little bit, I actually didn't end up pooping, which was wild. I totally expected to, but I did not. I did not. Hooray for me. <laughs> but even if you do, that's okay. And I think just having such a wonderful nurse there to to relieve my fears was, was great. So I pushed and I pushed and I pushed for counts of 10, very intensely for about an hour. And let me tell you, God bless my husband, his full on football coach ego came out because he coached me the hell through that stage of pushing. And I don't think I would have been able to do it without him there. He held my hand, he got his coaching voice on, and he just coached me through that stage. And it was some of the most exhausting physical labor that I have ever done. It is the most exhausting physical labor I've ever done, even with an epidural. So we got to the point where I could feel Jade kind of coming through the lower part of the canal, and I was like, okay, this is this is actually happening, and the nurse gets to the point where she can kind of tell, okay, baby, baby is on, baby's on her way, and so the nurse then stops, calls the doctor in, calls the staff in because they do, you know, everything to kind of bring the baby in to the world, and they have to get everything prepared, and so at that point she told me, okay, we're, the doctor is going to come in. You are going to stop pushing for now. We're going to do a couple more rounds of pushing, and then you're going to crown. And when you crown, we are going to stop pushing because we want to uh, we want to reduce the amount of tearing and uh, ripping that you'll essentially experience. We don't want you to we don't want you to tear that much. And so the doctor came in, and I did a couple more rounds of pushing, and I could feel at that point the baby crowning. And the doctor looks at Maurice and I and says, Do you wanna do you wanna see the baby come out of you? And I was like, Yes, I do. <laughs> Are you joking me? And it's funny because I never thought about wanting to see that, or I you know, I have no business looking at that, just kind of weird. But after having gone through so much intense labor and so much emotional labor, I'm like, roll that mirror on out. Let me see this baby come out of me. And so they rolled the mirror out, and oh my gosh. All we could see crowning is a full head of hair. This girl had so much hair and I totally knew it. I totally knew it. I think there's an old wives tale that the more heartburn you have, the more hair your baby is going to have. And man, I had so much heartburn through my first pregnancy and she had a full head of hair, like full head of hair, like she was already three years old head of hair. (laughs) And so I was crowning. I was just in awe that this child was about to come out of me and sure enough with one more round of pushing the head was out and then another round of pushing and the shoulders were out and then they put her right on top of me she let out this huge cry I was uncontrollably sobbing this is the point this is the part where I was fully not aware of the fact that I had torn, the fact that I was that I had ripped. And I did. I experienced second degree tearing for my first labor and delivery experience. And while I could essentially I could feel I could feel things, but I couldn't feel pain. One in part of the of course of, because of the epidural, but also because of just the immense adrenaline rushing through your body and there's just so much your body is doing to bring the baby into the world. I put her on top of me and it was just the most incredible, barbaric experience. And I was just so amazed. My husband was on the verge of tears. He never cries, but he was on the verge of tears. He was so proud of me. One thing I'll never forget about that moment is when Jade was on top of me. Maurice just looked at me and he was just just so proud of me. He said, I am so proud of you. That is, you are incredible. That is so amazing. And I was like, I'm proud of me too. (laughs) And just having my husband be so proud of me, like, like I was a football player. (laughs) It was just such a special moment between us. And I, I just couldn't believe it. Your life in that moment just changes so much. And when she was on top of me, we delayed our – that was part of my birth plan as well is we wanted to have delayed cord cutting, and so we waited a few minutes, and, and then Maurice was able to cut the umbilical cord, and we did golden hour. That was also part of our birth plan, but I think that's pretty standard now, at least, at least in our state. It's pretty standard. So before they do any kind of exams on the baby, um, Jade and I got to have skin-to-skin for an hour uninterrupted, um, got her on the breast, and it was just the most beautiful moment. The nurse, obviously, is still in the room, but um, everyone gives you quiet time. We were able to have kind of the lights low and, and music on, and it was it was just so beautiful. And before that, though, the, the, the doctor also helped me deliver my placenta. That's also part of the labor and delivery experience that I just don't really remember much of because... My baby's on top of me, and I am in just heaven. <laughs> and so I, I delivered the placenta. I do remember feeling the placenta kind of come out, but the actual experience of of pushing the placenta gently out of my body, I don't remember much. And it's after that point, too, where the doctor and the staff kind of gauge how, how much I had torn, and I experienced second-degree tearing. They had to stitch me up a bit. I did feel the stitches. They were a little painful, but again, not not something that I was hyper-aware of in the moment. And once golden hour was up and Jade was examined and weighed and got her first couple of pokes, they got me cleaned up and they transferred us to... A postpartum unit, so we stayed there for a couple of days, and in the first kind of twelve hours after giving birth, they check on you, and they checked on me like every half hour, forty-five minutes. And going back to the whole hemorrhaging concern, they want to monitor your bleeding, they want to monitor how um, you're coming off of the epidural, so uh, assisting you in walking and and assisting you to use the bathroom and to urinate and to essentially start operating as, as normally as you can again, but the recovery time after delivering vaginally is a really, is, is really s- slow, but steady. They give you some mild medication to help it. So Motrin or Tylenol and essentially helping you recover as, as best as you can. Another common thing that they give you after delivering vaginally and perhaps after experiencing tearing like I did, they give you stool softeners so that you're able to have a bowel movement relatively easily while you're healing from your stitches and while while you're, while your body is repairing itself. Really gross thing to think about, but a very a very real thing to have to go through after giving birth. So, I think I'll stop there. <laughs> this was only my first birth story, too. We are at I think we're at the 50 minute mark. This is a long episode. My son, my son's birth, my my second labor and delivery experience was so much different than my first, but also very similar to my first. And I think the biggest difference to call out is it was just so much easier and so much more accelerated than my first. So my birth story with Jade, my labor, I had a 48 hour labor. It was two days long. It was so long. She was born 5 p.m. on a Sunday. I started laboring early labor on a Friday morning. So More than 48 hours. It was a two-day labor. With Malachi, I had woken up on Sunday, January 23rd, no signs of labor. I had bloody show, and you can Google what that is. It's very gross. And the baby had dropped. He had dropped pretty deep into my pelvis, but no signs, no signs yet of contractions. I started having contractions around 6 p.m. that evening, very early contractions, So I was like, okay, well, maybe maybe it'll be a couple of days. Maybe I'll deliver him on Tuesday or Wednesday. I had him eight hours later. (laughs) I had him eight hours later in the wee hours of Sunday, January 24th, 2022. Thank God we had called my mom just to see if she could happen to come early just in case unknowingly eight hours later he would be here. It happened so fast, and we had definitely heard that second, third, fourth babies just come much quicker because your body knows what to do. It's been through labor and delivery before. I had no idea it was going to be this this much faster than our first, and the experience itself was very similar to the first. I had elected to have a hospital birth. I elected to have an epidural. That was all in our birth plan. But we get to the hospital. I was I was having contractions. My mom got here and we immediately jetted the hospital because I was pretty sure I was I was ready to push when I got to the hospital. And I was. We get to the hospital. They luckily I was not I was not too far gone. I was still able to get an epidural. I was in a lot of pain. But by the time I got to the hospital, I was seven centimeters dilated. And that is active labor. When you're over six centimeters, you're in active labor. And I could not believe it because I was not expecting to be so far along by the time I had got there. We had gotten there. They put us into a room, not a triage room, thank God, a very comfortable labor and delivery room. They got us in the room 20 minutes later, got my epidural. About an hour later, I was ready to push, and I pushed for about 20 minutes, and he was here. Incredible. So fast. The nurse was incredible. Pushing, while it was a much shorter stint this time around, was still hard for the same reasons. I couldn't feel, I had to remind myself, it was not like riding a bike. I had to remind myself how to engage those muscles when I am numb because of the epidural luckily was able to kind of pick that back up. The nurse was very helpful, very encouraging. We were able to get a few practice rounds in of pushing. And then another difference with Malachi is at the point where I was crowning, the nurse was still in the room helping us helping me push and the doctor wasn't there yet. And the nurse was like, "Okay, you need to stop pushing because the baby's going to come out." But I I I physically could not stop the baby from I couldn't stop Malachi from coming out. And and I was like, I'm not doing anything. I'm not pushing. And he was still, he was still on his way. He's like, I'm here. No one's gonna stop me. And so the doctor had to rush in quickly fumble some gloves on. And by the time she did, his head was out. (laughs) And it was crazy. It was so crazy how fast it was. And yeah, his 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 Delivery was much faster than Jade's. I had I did not expect to wake up thinking I would give birth in three days, only to give birth at eight hours. Such a dramatically accelerated experience compared to my first labor and delivery. I think with Malachi's delivery, I remember feeling a a bit scared because I had Jade at home and I just had no idea what to expect and the the transition from one to two kids I already had felt so much guilt being in the hospital having left her at home luckily she was asleep and she would wake up and her grandma would be there but it was such an emotional transition and I think that is a great topic to talk about because some people had messaged me about the transition from one to two kids or I'm I'm pregnant with my second and what what do we expect? I think it's one thing to talk through your second labor and delivery experience but also just the transition from one to two is something that has been so incredible and so challenging and so I think I think that's a great one to go in for next time or at a later episode but My recovery for, for my, my second delivery was, again, it was pretty similar. Like both of my, both of my experiences were fairly similar, just, just different timeframes, different, different progression. And just to see the way that my body remembered what to do when it was time to give birth, I think was the major difference and so incredible I unfortunately wasn't able to have the whole mirror experience with Malachi, but they did allow me to pull him up onto my chest uh, right after his, his shoulders came out. So that was incredible. So kind of like delivering your own baby, I've always, I've always wanted to know what that felt like. And so with him, that's such a special experience for me. And when I think about having a third baby, if we're ever like, again, if we're ever lucky enough to, I definitely would love to think more about having a home birth, because I know my body is capable of doing that. And I won't lie to you, there are definitely times where some, you know, some women put shame behind electing to do to do a medicated birth or, even stigmas around, you know, C sections. It's just such unfair stigmas, and sometimes I feel like, oh, well, you know, I I, I copped out. I, I chose the epidural. As long as your baby gets here, <laughs> that's success to me, you guys. And you know, but there are there are times where I've I've been like, well, I know my my body is capable of it. Why didn't I just Why didn't I just do things naturally? But. Again I don't regret I don't regret electing to do that because I think it allowed me to be so present when my baby entered the world during during the time to push it allowed me to be energized and and as present as I could be and but that's you know that's not to say that I won't consider having a home birth and I think that's some that's that idea is becoming more and more attractive to me I think, I think it it for me it needs to be something that I really desire to do. And I did not desire to do that my my first two labor my first two labors. So now that it's becoming a bit more attractive and I, I'm feeling that desire to have a home birth and natural birth, and I know that my body is capable of doing that, and I am capable of doing that. That's something I'm gonna think about if we ever get the chance to. So yeah, I, you know that's just kind of what I think I might might choose to do differently next time. But I love hearing about birth stories. So if you're willing to share your birth story, I would I would love to do an episode, maybe with with someone who's willing to share their birth story. I have such a reverence for mothers who undergo C sections. That is major surgery and the recovery for that is so intense while you're caring for a newborn, while you're exploring breastfeeding, while you're caring for the newest member of your family and having to recover from major surgery to just to bring your baby into the world, like so, so incredible, so incredible what our bodies are capable of doing, of healing so I would love if anyone had a birth story to share in a future episode, we could definitely talk about it. And I want to hear your experiences. I hope that you guys aren't getting bored just hearing about my experiences. But I feel like that's what this podcast is just going to be just how I'm kind of trailing motherhood and and figuring it all out and and what all these gross details were like for me. So thank you so much for t- tuning in this week and for sharing your deepest fears around labor and delivery i don't i don't know if my experiences helped alleviate those fears but all i know is that if i can do it then anyone can do it and i had I, you do not know what your body is capable of and it is capable of so much let me tell you incredible so I will stop things here, thank you so much for for the time. I would so, so appreciate if you rated this podcast, if you followed me on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening, it would really give me a good idea of who's tuning in and who I can send a thank you message to. And oh, and last thing, if you are interested in following along, my husband and I are in the process of launching our premium baby essentials brand at the end of the month, Jade and Kaiko, named after our two precious babes. Our collection of cozy baby basics is coming out at the end of the month. We are so excited to offer all of these products to you guys and share them with you. So, if you'd like to follow along, you can follow us on Instagram at Jade and Kaiko. And of course, you can continue following me on Instagram at mama to be honest, we'll definitely be sharing more about our baby brand in coming episodes and would love to do some more fun giveaways for listeners. There's so many fun things that I want to do for the show. But I also want to hear kind of what you guys want. So if you got ideas or topics that you want me to go through in coming episodes, please shoot me a DM on Instagram. It has been so great to get to know some of you over Instagram and just chatting through DMS. So I would love to continue the conversation and just building up our mommy community. So thank you so much for tuning in this week and I'll see you guys later. Have a great week.